I know I'm going to probably get in trouble with my fellow clergy but I'm because I'm giving away some of the institutional secrets. But back in the, um, the clergy sacristy upstairs where we, we change and get mics and do different things, we have our own bathroom. And long ago, uh, somebody started a tradition of anytime they see a religious um, cartoon or comic strip, they cut it out, they, they paste it on the wall and tape it on the wall. And so, you know, I, I love going in there looking at them. I think pr- probably the other clergy think I have a GI problem, but I'm just in there reading. <laughs> I'm just in there reading all these cartoons, and, and they're, they're, some of them are just fantastic, you know, really great. But I love this one that caught my eye recently, and it's one of these comic strips that's it's one frame. And it's, uh, it's clearly, as you look at it, it's a cocktail party. People are all around holding their drinks and doing whatever. And, and then they, right front and center, there is a clergy person, uh, a priest, a male priest sitting there, and he's talking to this woman. And um, he's He's dressed smartly with his coat and everything else, but he's got his collar on. And then clearly the, cart, the uh, artist has um, drawn her to sort of look a little bit like an airhead. And um, she's saying to him, she says, so do you consider yourself spiritual? And he's got this look on his face like, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I think there's a little bit like, it, I mean, to me, maybe it's only funny to the clergy. But um, <laughs> to me, it's, it's, I think we can sometimes get in this place where we're like so focus on something else that we miss like the big thing going on like the collar in this case I think our gospel lesson today is a little bit like this and that's where I want to go and uh, I want to talk about our gospel lesson and it only occurred to me today as Stuart was reading our first reading that some of our sacristy rats showed up today thinking that wanting more was going to be about the Bathsheba um, first reading but um, we're not going there I want to focus in on our, our gospel lesson um, today. And to get this, we need to back up to last week for a minute. If you were here with us, we're reading through the lectionary. We're in John chapter 6. We read from there last week, and we're just continuing on with it. But last week, there were these two major miracles or signs that take place. One is that um, Jesus feeds the 5,000. This great miracle that's in all four gospels, you know, huge moment and all this. And then after that, they want to make him king, as you remember this. And Jesus quickly pulls back from that. And he goes off to be alone on the mountainside. And I'm filling in some of the details that aren't there. But I, I think Jesus probably told the disciples, get in the boat and y'all go on across. I'll catch up with you. And they're like, how are you going to do that? But anyway, they go on. They trust him and they go on. And all the people, I mean, number of the people who were in the, in the 5,000 who saw this, they're still looking for Jesus because they want more. And they go off, and Jesus is there. And then, as you remember, the second big miracle of, and sign of last week is that Jesus, in the middle of the evening, you know, gets out and walks on the water and walks towards Capernaum and ultimately catches up with the boat. Don't be afraid, it's me. And he gets in the boat with them and go listen to the sermon from last week and all that. But then we pick up today with our gospel lesson. And it doesn't say it exactly, but the, these people who were involved in the feeding of the 5,000, they're looking for Jesus. Because they want more. And they know there was only one boat. They saw it leave without Jesus. And so they're hanging around looking for him. And after a period of time, they realize, okay, he's not, he's not around. Let's go where they went. So they get in their boats and they cross. And when they get over there, they find the disciples and they find Jesus. Right? And that's where we pick up with our gospel lesson today. And the question they ask to me is a very normal question. But clearly Jesus can see their hearts and can see a lot more that's going on with it. Because their question when they see Jesus is like, how did you get here? 
And Jesus knows that's not the real question, that there's more going on than that. That they're really there looking for more of what they received in the feeding of the 5,000. They want more of that. They want a prophet that's going to give free food, that's going to provide all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and, and Jesus knows that. And Jesus immediately, he wants more for them. And so Jesus is like, okay, it's not about the physical food. There's something bigger going on here. I, he wants them to see the grace behind the feeding of the 5,000 and where it points. He wants them to go to that deeper place. And they're, they're asking it from another place. One of my favorite spiritual writers is uh, the Roman Catholic priest Henry Nouwen. And Henry Nouwen writes about this passage. He says, there, he says, first of all, look, did you notice Jesus is giving a non-responsive answer? They ask this, he answers with something else. But he, he points out that their question is from what he calls the house of fear. That there's not enough. That it's a very earthly, fearful where are we going to get our food from kind of question. And that Jesus answers from the house of God. That he's answering from above, pointing towards bigger things. It, that it's not about the food, the, the stuff that we're focused on right here in this life. And I think we pause here for a moment because I think so oftentimes we get into that exact same place where we get so wrapped up in what's going on that we're missing some big things, right? Um, the Anglican bishop and scholar N.T. Wright uh, in talking about this passage, he tells this uh, story about this Ph.D. candidate who's working on his Ph.D. in history. He's writing about um, part of one of the medieval periods. And he realizes as he's headed towards the end of his dissertation that he needs to write about art at the time that ties in with his dissertation. So he goes to all these great um, art galleries in London and he runs into each room looking at the art from the period and, and he goes up to the little blocks and he's making notes about who it is and what they said and what they did and he goes on and he finishes his dissertation. He goes, but the guy wrote all these notes, did all these things, but he never stopped to just look back at the picture and take it in and see the bigger thing and the, the transcendental thing, what it points to and what it's about and all the little notes and things were about trying to help you see that and all he did was write these down. And he makes the point that that's what we do sometimes. We get caught up in all these little things and we don't step back. And this is not a new thing with him. Uh, preaching on this passage back in the 5th century, St. John Chrysostom said, you know, said that part of our deal is that we're nailed to the things of this life. That we get so caught up in the things that we're about and that we're doing day to day that we miss the bigger scene. We miss that all these signs that Jesus is doing are meant to point to something bigger. It's meant to point that, to that he's the Messiah, the Son of Man, that, that it's meant to point to inviting us into this journey with him. And I think for us, you know, again, you know, to kind of hit this, we've got to keep coming back to this place that we're oftentimes so busy we, don't, we just don't go there. There are rich spiritual things every day that God's teaching us, wants to teach us. And we can get so wrapped up in our day-to-day -day fight for survival that we just we don't see it. I saw on this recently an article, this is not, not by a Christian, this was just by an author, and the reason he was writing was to, um, to talk about how we should read more. So this was an author making the argument that we should read more, but he quotes this data which caught my eye. He says, the average single American spends 608 hours a year on social media, spends 1,642 hours on TV. And he goes on to say, you know, we could read like 
hundreds and hundreds of books if we didn't get tied up on social media and, and on TV. And I think the principle for me is the same. There's so many things that we do like that where we could be doing something deeper, more meaningful to see a bigger, richer, deeper picture where God wants us to go and points out to us. And I think for us, our risk is we get so busy with all the stuff right in front of us that we don't see what's beyond it and the, and the bigger picture. And that's, that's one of the things I'd love for you to talk about today at lunch, you know, to think about how that impacts things. That's the first part of our gospel lesson today. The second part of the gospel um, is this question that they ask where they say to him, um, what is the work of God? Like, okay, so we hear what you're saying. What is this work of God? If we're going to lean into this, what is it? And Jesus' answer back to him is it's to believe. And there are all kinds of things you may be thinking right now. What does that mean, to believe? I love the way that, that um, this older, um, the late uh, biblical scholar from Scotland, William Barclay, defines it. Um, he says that ultimately what it means is it, it means, quote, it means being in such a relationship with God that we are his friends. And I like that definition of belief because sometimes people think belief means, like, do you believe? Okay, well, I've got it all figured out. I can explain the Trinity, da, da, whatever it is. All these different things. Whereas he's saying, like, no, it's not that. It's the essence of Christianity's relationship. And believing just means come on and walk. We'll figure it out as we go. We'll deal with it as we go. We'll deal with the stuff that hits us. We'll, it's, it's walking. It's just saying we're going to walk. Let's walk together. That that's the essence of it. And so they hear this word that Jesus says, and their immediate response back, I think, is one that sometimes we make at this door of faith. Their answer back to him is like, prove it. You want us to believe? Prove it. And there's a Jesuit priest that I've read, a guy named John Power, who says, you know, our deal as humans is we frequently come to God and we want to say, just like they do, oh, you want us to believe? Show us and then we'll believe. And he says that what God says is, come and believe and I'll show you. That, we, that we, we get wrapped up in that. And that's where they are in this, right? And then they turn to a classical thing. Because apparently in between the intertestamentary times, one of the beliefs about the Messiah is that whenever the Messiah came, the Messiah was going to be like Moses and bring manna. It was going to bring this divine bread from heaven kind of thing. That was part of the belief that grew up. So their immediate question to him is, okay, you're saying this. Are you going to match Moses? And Jesus' answer back to that is, okay, it's two things, all right? First is, okay, hold on. It actually wasn't bread from Moses. It was bread from God. That's the first thing he says. And then the second thing he says is actually what it really is, is it's, it's, it's the bread from God to bring life is what it's all about. And then Jesus makes one of these, John is full of these, but he makes one of these huge I am statements that we're going to get from Jesus in the Gospel of John, where he says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. I'm the bread of life. I'm the one that's going to satisfy, is ultimately what he's saying. The deep meaning, deep satisfaction in life is coming not from what we possess or gain or whatever or eat or anything else. It's coming from this place in Jesus. And it's the opposite of what the world says. Because again and again, we know this. We fight it, but we all know it. The world tells us again and again, 
that what matters and your meaning and your importance and everything else is how much you make. It's, you know, it's your power, it's your money, it's sex, it's whatever else. It's all these other kinds of things. It's completely different than what Jesus is saying. And all that other stuff is never enough, right? You, go, you know, it's mind-boggling whenever you see these shows where they follow up on the lottery winners and they blow their fortunes because it's never enough, right? It's never enough. And, um, but Jesus is saying it's, it's this relationship is the thing, it's the deep place where we find it. Last century, uh, probably the, in my opinion, I'm sure there's others who disagree, but one of, certainly one of the greatest Christian writers of last century was the Oxford professor, atheist, who went on his journey and became a Christian, C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity talks about this. He talks about how basically all of God's creatures that have been made have been made in a way where they can find um, satisfaction. He says, look, you see a little baby crying? They, find, they eventually get food or a diaper change, and they're, they're happy. They find satisfaction. He says, look, the duck gets in the water, finds satisfaction. And he says, for humans, the only place we find that is in God, because that's how we're wired. He's, he's picking up on stuff St. Augustine said back in the early part of Christianity. But the only place that we really find the deep thing that's going to fall into place is when we come into this relationship and walk with God in it. Now, there are a lot of um, preachers who would end the sermon right here. Because that, that's the final word in some sense, right? That it's God's this deep satisfaction. It's where we find, I mean, we do find relief. Come to me, all ye that are heavy laden, I'll refresh you. It's where we find abundant life. Jesus says, I can't bring life and bring it abundantly. We think about all this stuff, and that's it. Amen, sit down. But I think, to me, the other piece that needs to be said is it doesn't end there because Paul says in Romans about how all of creation cries out for redemption. And to me, part of that's a reminder that we live in a very broken world all over, from the church down, everywhere you look, there's stuff that's broken. And when we come into this walking kind of faith with Jesus, where we're walking with him, the more we do that, the more we take on some of God's characteristics, the more we have a heart of God, the more we see and cry and get upset with the injustice of the world. Poverty, the racial things we got, whatever it is, all these things bother us more. And we see the disease and we see the brokenness and we see all this. And we find this level of deep satisfaction in all this, but it's not, it's not the end all, right? It's, I mean, there's still stuff that hurts and it's broken, right? We see the, you know, the broken relationships, all these different things that take place. And I love the way one commentator I read in preparing this said, you know, when Jesus comes along, he didn't say, I'm the caviar of life. He said, I'm the bread. I'm like, I'm the sustenance. He's saying, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the main sustenance. I'm the anchor. I'm this sure thing for this. But it didn't mean that we're free of all this stuff. If anything, it's, we're called into God's work. We're called into his kingdom purposes. And he's going to feed us and sustain us in it. But he's going to ask us to partner with him in what he's doing in working for his kingdom to be everywhere, for the redemption of the, of the entire world. And so it's, you know, I, I'm a big U2 fan, so I'm still, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Is to me what, this, what that song is par- partially about, is you're finding this deeper place in God, but we're still called into work in the brokenness of the world. And I think Christians do a disservice when we don't own up to that and see it. We all want more. God gives it to us, but he calls us to more, right? Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you that you love us 
um, without measure, that you lavish your love on us, and you simply call us to walk with you as a friend. Lord, in the midst of all our brokenness, ourselves, the shame, whatever else we face, whatever disappointments we face, give us the strength to get up and say, I, I'm going to walk with you with what I have. Teach me and show me and mold me. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.